Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the 1871 podcast, and we've got a returning guest on this episode. It's former Reading Chronicle sports editor Roger Ware who, as, uh, as you'll know if you heard the first um, part of this, has been a Royals fan for nearly 72 years. So um, I said last time, welcome to the show, Roger. Welcome back this time. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, pleasure to be here. And, and it was great to, to speak to you about, you know, your support of the Royals going back to 1950, um, your seventh birthday treat, Um your first game was a 7-0 win against Brighton. And then the next game, Reading lost 5-0 against Newport. So that was your introduction to, to Reading. Um, it's been pretty much like that ever since, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Win this week, lose next week. I was thinking that. And we talked, to, just a reminder, we, we talked about your your time at the Chronicle, uh, the Chronicle's competition to find a new nickname for the, for the Royals. And I don't think we actually said, of course, the previous nickname before the Royals was the Biscuit Men. Yeah. Um, but the but the fans know that anyway. Um and we talked about uh, various things including a little bit about John Madeski and also the um proposed merger in the eighties. Um and my dad was in, involved in that, Roger Smee um blocking Robert Maxwell's proposal to uh, merge Reading and Oxford United and and call it Thames Valley Royals and thankfully that that didn't happen. Um, so we still got plenty to talk about Roger because seventy two years that covers a lot of uh, of Reading's history. Um, in fact, about half of it, isn't it? Really, it is really it. Yeah. work it out. Um, yeah. So look, we got to um, we got to talking about the proposed merger, which which was eighty three, and then. Just two years later, two years after that, of course, it was the record-breaking Royal season. And that's really when I became um, a Reading fan, I would say, that, that mm. season. Um, and what a great season to become a Reading fan that was. So 
The record-breaking Royals, 13 wins at the start of the season in 1985 um, under Ian Bramford. What do you remember about that season and specifically, you know, those those sort of first few games and then all of a sudden we might break the record here? What what do you remember about that? Yeah, it was it was surreal. Um, yeah, you, you couldn't really understand what was going on. Like win the first two, win the next one, win up to five or six. You think, well, that's a fantastic start to the season. And then when it got up to 13, goodness me. Um, I should have been at the Newport game. I wasn't um, the last, the last win of that. Um, yeah, I was uh, was working, couldn't get out of work. I'd been invited to do the commentary for two ten radio, and uh, had to had to miss that out. But and missed the game. I didn't didn't get to the game. I did get to the Wolves game on the uh, following Wednesday, I think, wasn't it? Um, the floodlit game. That was one of those great games where people say, "What's the crowd really? Thirteen thousand? Uh, it was probably nearer twenty three thousand. I think it was. Uh, I didn't want to gate crash the press box because I wasn't working that night, and I went and stood over on the south bank, and um, it was absolutely heaving. Mm. It was, yeah, I that. so yeah. I'm not sure about the gate figure that was put out, but um, yeah. but no, no disappointment too because um, ended in a draw. And Wolves at that time were nothing special. You thought, well, having real no, bottom, it was top versus bottom. I think. Yeah, they really weren't anything at all. And um, you thought, well, this is number fourteen for sure. Uh, and the one you you really were anticipating didn't happen. So, um, but nonetheless, I mean, uh, they were as good as up by then, weren't they? I mean, that was just yeah. a phenomenal run, which um, I, one or two teams have had a little double at since, but nobody's really got anywhere near. Um, yeah, and and. One thing I remember, and I think I think I understand the reason for this, is a lot of those games were wins by one goal, and for me, yeah. that 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 really kind of highlights the character of the players. You know, if you talk about the likes of Kevin Bremner, um, Martin Hicks, people like that, um, Kevin Bremner was a real sort of catalyst. Of course, he missed some of that run with, with injury, but um, he scored. Uh, him and Stuart Bevan got got the two goals at Newport, didn't they? Mm. And yeah, I remember that that game against Wolves as well, two all and Steve Ball and Andy Much were up front for Wolves. Um and that that was a great game, great atmosphere. Of course it was a disappointment, but um fantastic run and one of the greatest running games of all all time that season as well. Uh three nil down against Plymouth twenty five oh, minutes yeah. ago. Were you at that game? I was working that day as well. Right. Yeah, goodness me. So some of those best ones I've missed, yeah. Okay. But no, that was it, yeah, wasn't it? It was that um was it Tom Jenkins that had a great game that day? Well it's um, it was kind of the Bremner game really. He he um Yeah, I think he didn't come on a sub, but he got uh, I think Ian Bramford changed his position. He moved him from I think he might have been playing in midfield and he moved him up front or up front, yeah. Something like that. And just changed changed the game and yeah, you know, one of my Reading heroes, Kevin Bremley, has been a guest as well. Yeah, on the yeah I heard the show, yeah. yeah. Um, and then a few years later, uh, a lot of Reading fans, certainly of a certain vintage, um, reckon that the Simor Cup final is the, the, the greatest Reading game they've seen because of the occasion. Um, I think, OK, Simor Cup probably doesn't mean much to, to other teams, but it certainly does to, to Reading fans. 
I remember that really well. One of Michael Jules's best games in a in a red yeah. shirt. Um, yeah, fun, fantastic. Were you at that game? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was that day. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Took um, eldest boy with me, James, and uh, yeah, fantastic afternoon. Because they went one down, didn't they? Were they one down? Yeah, Harford diving header, wasn't it? After that, yeah, six minutes or something like that. Yeah, and four-one, um, terrific. I mean, it was. It was um, the semi-final wasn't too shabby either, was it? Was it no, Coventry? I said they went on pens, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. No, it was a great, a great cup run, and and I think um, there was something like was it sixty thousand in total, and forty thousand were Reading fans. Something oh yes, like that, it was. It? Yeah, it might have been more. Yeah. Might have been a bigger crowd. There weren't many there from Luton. No, it was well, like, there were a lot more from Reading, weren't there? It and was. It was Wembley, wasn't it? It was the first time, yeah. and it was all of that. And um, yeah, just to um, see him there. And for me, you know, I just, I suppose in a way I got lucky as a, a Reading fan when I started supporting them. But that was kind of the start of things for, for Reading in terms of going to a different level because obviously record-breaking Royals, um, you know, went went up and then got relegated in the Simog Cup season. But, but then you had um, Mark McGee came in and promotion nearly went, you know, went in successive seasons up to the Premiership. Um, you know, what What do you remember about that time? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the sort of saddest thing of all about the um, the not going up the second time was that it was when they when they rearranged the um, the Premier League, wasn't it? And they, yep. only one team went up that year. Had it been any other year, Reading would have gone up automatically and um, and to not do it. And then to not do it in the, the way that it happened against Bolton. Oh, what a game that was, and um, yeah, so I, I still um, still can't quite get my head around that. As a lot of Reading fans can't. Yeah, uh, it was um, not only the two nil, and I think uh, one of my theories was that Jason McAteer should have been sent off for fouling Juxy. He'd already been booked, and and then if the game was today, he would certainly be off second yellow because um, he really chopped Juxy down. Um, if Archie had scored the pen, and I know that haunts him to this day, doesn't it? It's um, ah, and then uh, later on, I think I think it was the equalising goal, Defratus, and I'm pretty sure he handled the ball. Um, he was he went down on the ground, and I recall him scooping it around with his hand so that he could get up and put it in the net. And I know Shaka had a view on that, I think, didn't he? And um, the only one who was Lady Williams. Hmm. And I can't never never did understand why that was. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, even sitting in the stand, I thought, what do you think of that? Um but they didn't make any fuss about it at all. And um say only eighty appealed. Hmm. But uh, no, it was that was a sad, sad day, wasn't it? Great game, one of the greatest um, playoff games. Um, yeah, it was. It uh, certainly was. And and uh it's interesting because we've had Stuart Lovell on, uh we've had Shaka Hislop on. Um, and Shaka Hislop actually said that he didn't go quite so far to say he blames himself for the the second um, Bolton goal, but he felt that if he'd been a more experienced keeper, uh, he probably would have saved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, I had him on the show. That possibly he wasn't, you know, <laughs> experienced enough to, uh, you know, get in, into the right position to save it or something like that but yeah it was a whole bunch of bad luck that whole scenario wasn't it you know the being two up and yeah 
uh, yeah, losing an extra time and having not gone up originally in the, as they should have done. Yeah, and then obviously relegation that that season as well. It was kind of a strange season. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing I remember about that season is, you know, Steve Wood, great player alongside Martin Hicks, player of the year twice. He left and then um, Keith Curl came in and Keith Curl's been a guest. And, uh, you know, one of my favourite Reading players, he, w- he was not just the fastest ever centre-back Reading have ever had, I think, mm. um, but one of the quickest players we've ever had. And, and and I said to him, you know, in when he was a guest, um, I said to him, um, you know, was it was it always Jilksy first and, and you second in training? He said, not a chance. It was, I was quicker <laughs> than Jilksy. Jilksy was quick, but I was quicker, he said. Yeah. And yeah, one of my favourite players, one, one with Reading for very long, but you go back to, um, you know, those times. And, and Reading were really starting to make some progress in terms of, Obviously got relegated that season, but came came back up and that mid nineties team and some of those players that we had, Simon Osborne and Shaka Hislop, Jimmy Quinn. Mm. Um so yeah, you know, fantastic time to be a, a Reading fan. And then of course, um John Madeski started to get involved and kind of part two, we've mentioned John Madeski on the on the previous episode, part one of of your episode, Roger. Um, so what what do you remember about, you know, when you first heard about John Madeski's sort of interest in getting involved in, in Reading? Can you remember that? Yeah, I can. Um, he was never great pals with Roger Smee, which was, um, I don't know what the history of that was at all. Um, but Roger, for whatever reason, was in the situation of pretty much having to sell. I think his business wasn't going too well at that time. And uh, he decided to concentrate on the business rather than the football club. And um, John had been, they'd, they'd, during Smee's time, they'd put in what they loosely call executive boxes, nothing like they are today, but they were boxes where you could have half a dozen seats and you could bring your guests and you could have a meal. And John and Paul Gibbons with Auto Trader were among the first to take one of those boxes. So they did that mainly for the publicity because neither of them were, were really interested in football. But they were doing it to, to give their guests a day out and potential customers a day out and so on. And that worked for them. And I think it was just that, that John had got that interested in it through doing that, that, um, that he decided when the situation arose. Um, and I think he also saw the opportunity to, um, to develop a, a really lovely stadium um, and um, and to sell on the Elm Park site. I don't know why, I'm sure he made a few shillings out of selling Elm Park uh, and buying the other ground for a pound. But he did build the new stadium, so you, you can't knock that in in any way. And the stadium's magnificent, isn't it? And having said earlier that, that Elm Park had a better atmosphere, there's no doubt the facilities at the Madstead are way, way, way ahead of that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the contrast, isn't it? And I, I remember... There was a particular um, picture in the paper, I think it was the Red and Evening Post, of John Madeski kind of standing with his arms open in front of a, like basically a, not even a building site at that stage, but it it was the land where um, Madeski Stadium was going to be built. And when Graham Nicholas was on, he told the story about um, Graham protesting about him calling it, uh, naming it after himself. 
I said to Graham, well, you know, everything he did for the club, he's he's probably entitled to, but Graham didn't didn't like it. Um but yeah, I, I think I don't think anyone begrudges him calling the stadium after after himself with, with all he, he did for the club. No, I think the um yeah, my view on that is I think it was actually the, the only stadium in Europe named after somebody still living. Um, which is quite often then Kassam came along at Oxford. Um but um no, I mean, it, you're right, he he did enough to deserve it at that stage and it certainly kept the club alive. Um, in the way Smee had done earlier against Maxwell. Uh, there's no doubt Madaisky kept it alive when Smee wanted to out. And um, he deserved it, yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think if you kind of break down and summarise Reading's history, you had um, pre-Madaisky, you had during Madaisky, and you've had post-Madaisky. Three very different periods in the club's history because until John Madaisky came in, Reading were, you know, and, and they still in theory, are a relatively small club if you compare it to, you know, the biggest clubs in in the country, but certainly um, a lot bigger as a club compared to the pre-Medeski days and obviously moving to the stadium. Um, and, and it's kind of, it's gradually gone downhill, hasn't it, since John Medeski sold sold the club? What are your thoughts on that? That was also tragic. I mean, in the way that Smee's business, I think, led to him parting with the club. I think that was the situation with John. Um, For whatever reason, he wasn't being as successful as he had been in business for many years. He has business interests out in the Far East as well. I think he had a hotel in Malaysia and things like that. And a printing business, which wasn't going too well. Sold Auto Trader, so... Uh, he had no more, in quotes, income from that. Um, and I think that was, was why, in the end, he decided to um, to opt out. I mean, there were the complications, I think, with the bank and the Inland Revenue and, and so on around the club at that time. I think um, Alfie leaving was a good example. I think they, they had, a, I think, probably a VAT bill to pay uh, quite urgently. And, uh, and Adam Defondre, uh, I think, agreed quite reluctantly to a move that he didn't really want because he was happy at the club and the fans loved him. But um, something had to be done or the club would have gone under there and then, uh, or at the very least would have wouldn't docked 12 points there and then, which has affected Derby this season. Mm. But um, no, I, I, it's been sad. I think the the Russian uh, was um, was not the right guy. They, there were a lot of reasons why John... Might have kept his nerve a bit better there. Um, tricky people to deal with, Russians, as we know at the moment. Um, and then the uh, the Thai people came in, and then the Chinese guy. Well, uh, I'm still slightly baffled as to to why the present owner actually wants the club or wanted the club in the first place. Um, he's had a club in Shanghai, which he's let. Um, let go broke and another one in Belgium the same it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Reading, as I say, whatever you think about his lack of communication. He has definitely put in an absolute shed load of money, uh, no doubt, whatever. So you cannot knock him for that. But uh, uh, I fear for it if he if he ever left. Mm, I, I think that's that's one of the key issues, isn't it, with the fans though? That yeah, that kind of highlights where the problem is because you, you rightly said he's put in a lot of money, but it's kind of without the foundations that Medeski had in place because. Correct. Medeski yeah. always um, said he wanted to build a club on solid foundations. He stayed out of the football stuff. He left that to Steve Koppel and Brian McDermott. You get on and do your football stuff. You know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing with the business stuff. And it and it worked. So he took care of the foundations. And now you've got an owner that's come in who's, the, the phrase is, thrown a lot of money. And I think it's an accurate description. And and there's issues with the structure, with the, the scouting network. You know, if you think of players like Kevin Doyle came through the Reading scouting network and, you know, look what a player he was. And even going all the way back to Kerry Dixon and Trevor Senior coming from, from non-Leaven. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just, I, th- I think if you try and build a house without foundations, you're in trouble. And I think that is kind of a summary of the issue now, isn't it, really? Well, I just hope that the, the chap has got a reason for owning the club and um, hopefully has still got a reason to, to hang on in there because if ever he wants to sell it, um, I don't see anybody picking up a 100 million tab. Mm. Not really. And as you said earlier, Reading is you know, it's a, a good club, but it's not a, not a top-level club at all uh, in terms of an Everton, Liverpool, Man City, Man United. It's not one of those. And probably never will be. Um, and looking ahead to the to the summer to next season, um, what do you? Well, let, let's look at let's look at to next season. Um, what what do you think? Yeah, well, I don't know. Prediction or worries, hopes, fingers uh, crossed. You know what what are you feeling? I think it's more worry than hope. Um, I think an awful lot of the players there at the moment are going to leave in the summer. Um, I'm not sure. I meant to try to find that out today to to see how many are still going to be at the club. I suspect it's uh, it's not too many of them. Not many. No. And um, well, not enough for a team, I don't think. Oh no, no, no. So and also uh, a lot of the main ones will obviously be gone. I think going back slightly on the season, I think whatever disappointment we've had and hanging on by our fingernails and, and so on. I think that we've had appalling luck with injuries. And uh, yeah. I think probably, uh, going back to Pornovich's time, he was never able to field what he would want for a first eleven, And I, I don't even think Incy has. Um, I don't think probably at any stage of this season could we have fielded our best eleven in the squad. Yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess one... One positive, if you want to put it like that, is that he, you know, he did come in and and, and keep us up. But um, Roger, before I let you go, there are two or three key things I want 
to uh, talk to you about. Um, you mentioned it and you touched on it on the on the first episode that we we did with you before. Um, Robert Maxwell obviously talked about the proposed merger, but um, kind of without Robert Maxwell knowing you you well he knew that you worked for him, but he didn't know that you worked for him having been part of the team that that stopped him doing the merger. Is that about right? Uh, is about right. And if he ever found out, I'd have been out of a job. Um, I went from the Chronicle to doing sports sponsorship at Rothmans with your dad again, um, and then to the Daily Mirror. And I was on the sports desk. Uh, the sports desk was was full of very, very capable people, none of whom had any real ambition to leave. Uh, I was sort of one of the junior uh, elements of it. Couldn't really get on there. And I saw a job... Uh, uh, internally, doing the group publicity and public relations and so on, and having worked in public relations at Rothmans, I thought, oh, that's you know, that's not bad. And uh, the sports editor at the time recommended me for the job, and so I got that job, uh, which was fine for a couple of years. And then, bing bong, along comes Robert Maxwell. Uh, now, all of a sudden, I'm Robert Maxwell's PR man, which is not, not something you'd wish on your worst enemy, really. Um, it was fascinating, put it that way. Uh, and I worked very closely with Kevin and Ian, the, the sons, who I've got a lot of time for, actually. They're, they're all right. They're good guys. Um, they were just literally very much in his shadow, brought up in a military atmosphere of obedience where they did what he said or they'd get a cuff around the ear. And, um, yeah, it, <laughs> he never did find out that I'd been part of Roger Smee's group that uh, scuppered the Reading deal. And I had first-hand experience of him when he'd lost other business deals and, and how angry he was um, at that. So, uh, no, I never let on, and they never found out. So, and unless Kevin and Ian are listening, sorry, mate. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. And another character, if if you like, um, I'm not sure character would be the... I think, I think there will be a word before character to describe Robert Maxwell. Um but um, character is certainly a word you use to describe this this next person who you know who's been involved in Reading Football Club, Yuri Geller. Um, I know you produced a feature on Yuri Geller's involvement at, at Reading, and you became friends with him. What was the uh, you know what was that? How did that come about, and what was that all about, Roger? Uh, it, Known that you know through John, I'd known Yuri at the club just briefly, and uh, at the time I was making TV programs for CNN and ESPN, the American broadcasters. And there was one particular time when I can't remember the season they were going for promotion, and uh, they wanted there's one game where you know Yuri's big thing was saying, Well, positive thoughts, everybody have positive thoughts. And uh, he claimed that uh, on one particular game where they needed a winning goal in the last few minutes, he got everybody in the director's box to concentrate on Juxi and um, Will Juxi to score. And sure enough, Juxi scored, won the game, and Uri took a lot of credit for that. And I thought, well, that's not the best. And I mentioned it to the chap at CNN. And he said, oh, yeah, he's an eccentric sort of guy. And he didn't yeah, do it do a feature with him. So I got Yuri and John was on there as well. And uh, it's still on YouTube. It's still there. Yuri Geller and Reading Football Club. 
and he explains how he got everybody to do this. And it was similar, he claimed, to uh, he, he'd also put the fluence on Italy in the World Cup um, when uh, Baggio put a penalty across, over the bar and lost the game against Brazil. And he claimed it was the power of positive thought coming all the way from Brazil that had made Baggio put this penalty over the bar. But the one he did do, remark very quickly, was the um, England one against Scotland when he made the ball move on the spot. Or oh, he said he did. I mean, it was probably his helicopter over the stadium that waggled the ball. But um, no, Scotland must have penned, didn't they? And the ball did move. It did move. And the, the, one, that, the, one, the one that I remember, the story that I remember, is uh, Reading played Man United at Elm Park in the FA Cup. Do you remember this story? And he, he sprinkled some crystals um, yeah. of the dressing room. But then he realised afterwards he'd sprinkled the crystals above the uh, away dressing room rather than <laughs> or something like that at Man United. Yeah, one. it was it was the game when I think Cantona scored. I think, yes. yeah, I think it was that game in the FA Cup. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, Yuri, Yuri Geller, um, interesting, interesting character. He's all right. I'll tell you another funny story about that. Um, got to know him really well and did various bits for him on television. And um, one night, it was my second son's 14th birthday, and Yuri had phoned about something and uh, he said to me, what are you up to? And I said, well, a birthday party. I said, I've got a crowd of rowdy teenagers. He said, do you want me to come and quieten them down? I said, well, only if you've got time. He said, come and get me in 10 minutes. So I went and got him in 10 minutes and he did all the bit for the kids and they certainly did shut up and he moved their watch and he bent the spoons and did all of that. But the funniest was when the parents came to pick him up, um, you know, everybody else says Coco the Clown and they look in and we've got Yuri Geller. <laughs> it's just, that was great. It was good. But he was, he's a good guy and he's now got a museum in, in Tel Aviv or somewhere. Um, yeah, and he's back in Israel and, and doing really well. Yeah, still bending spoons. Yeah, and just... Um... A couple more things to talk to you about, Roger. I mean, you know, if we if we call this bit then and now, I mean, yeah. what would you yeah. what would you pick out going back to 1950 when you first started supporting Reading all those years ago? Um, what's the biggest difference would you say with the club as a whole? You know, from all that time ago to now. Certainly the, what I mentioned earlier about the players being mainly local. Um, certainly all the directors were local. There would never have been any question of somebody from Russia or Thailand or China owning the club. It was always, always local businessmen. Um, and they were probably never going to invest in the way these guys do today. Um, well, there's some silly money flies around in football now. But... Um, they were never going to invest, but they were local people and they really did have the club at heart. Um, again, if you're brutal about it, you look at the present squad. Um, there's what, Tom McIntyre, um, Tom Holmes, and not too many more in the first team squad with any link whatever to Reading. And um, going back on the days when I used to travel with the team, again, almost all the players there were local. There were one or two who came from... Uh, from London, maybe, but um, nearly all of them were local. Certainly, the the vast majority. So that's yeah. the, I think the big difference now. Um, and as we were saying about the fact that the Chinese folk are maybe not in in the best of touch with the fans, um, 
I think that was the difference. Everybody knew uh, the chairman in those days, were, back in the day, was Alf Smith, and then Frank Waller, um, and people like that, and Duncan Vincent, the local estate agent. And people knew them. Um, people around the town knew them. And even even until a few years ago, um, you had a local owner, you had a Reading bank oh, yeah, owner. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, and by that time, it was starting to get rare. I mean, look at the owners now, even in the championship. Goodness me. Um, there's some strange, strange owners in there. Yeah. And, uh, and talking, Roger, talking of um, uh, local, um, bringing us right up to date, you're a Reading fan, nearly 72 years, and then you decide to move near to one of Reading's rivals, Bournemouth. What was all that about? Exactly halfway between Bournemouth and Southampton we are, and it's earache territory. I just, uh, I don't walk down the street in the, in the Reading shirt, put it that way. But um, I'm proud to say I've not been to see either since we moved here. Um, and I'm just um, uh, about to get attached to a little team called Bashley, who uh, punch very vastly above their weight. They just got into the Southern League, got promoted this season. And, um, yeah, I'm going to help them out next season uh, in the higher league. And uh, it's, it really is a little village team, and it's pure football. It's, mm. you know, the players get 50 quid, 100 quid a game or whatever. Um, but it's it's really pure football, and the, the fans come in to see them, you know, and, and cheer as if it's Wembley. It's yeah. Just, uh, it's real football. But you've still got... Um, a presence at um, the Select Car Leasing Stadium, the old Madstad. Uh, uh, you've got your face on the fans' wall, haven't you? It is on the fans' wall in this very shirt. Um, yeah. Yes, it is. It's on the fans' wall. Proud of that too. And um, I think that was a very good idea. I hope it lasts. I hope it doesn't get sort of defaced, as it were, by away fans. Um, yeah. You can see that happening because it's uh, it's on an outer wall. It's not on the inside the stadium but nonetheless good idea by the club and uh yeah it's uh, again does identify them quite closely with the fans which as i say generally is sadly lacking there at the moment yeah uh, Incy, to give him his credit um tried to drum up the, the the fans and um kept them on side praised them for the support particularly away on some of the away trips that, that people have taken uh, you know, at the end of the season, when all, yeah. all sort of gone, and uh, no, it, it really Easter was good. Easter was good though, wasn't it? We enjoyed Easter. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, where he, uh, he may have been a little bit lucky there, uh, he got Lucas Shaw back, didn't he? I mean, they, yes, uh, and and started scoring again. Yeah. Uh, and, and Roger, the, the just to finish off by saying, the last time I saw you was uh, a sad occasion, but uh, as with. Um, you know, as is the case with, with funerals for, for my for my dad, um, got a chance to catch up with you. Um, you know, there were some uh, former Reading players there as well. Um, so, you know, really lovely to catch up with people and, and all the messages I, you know, seen and uh, heard about, mm. about my dad was was really nice and very comforting. And, and all the people that came out and said, uh, you know what he meant to them, and I got messages from people that I don't know about my dad. So, so that was that was nice. So, that no, was still, that was very recent, and uh, yeah, that's the last time I saw you. But I'll I'll come down to 
to Bournemouth and I'll yeah, take the price. Yeah. I, I won't wear my Reading shirt. I'll come down to see you soon. <laughs> yeah, definitely do that. But um, no, that was that was if, if a funeral can be good, that was it was a nice occasion. It was it was very tasteful, and as you say, a lot of old faces. I was pleased to meet Bobby Williams. He's one of my all-time favourites. Um, oh, what a smashing fella! And uh, he, he tells a great yarn, Bobby. Uh, yeah. Old, same same Bristolian accent as Roy Bentley, and yeah. uh, he's, he's a good lad. And Sanch was there, wasn't he? And, uh, and Lot of them. It was uh, yeah. it was pleasant. Yeah, and and uh, look, thanks, Roger. We've we've known each other for a very long time, as you pointed out on the on the first part of of this two part series, whatever you want to call it. Um, so thanks for babysitting for me all those years ago, <laughs> very long time ago. But look, it's been it's been great to talk to you, and I'm I'm sure the the fans listening have um, enjoyed the insight into some of the the stuff that that went on all those years ago and in more recent years as well. So really appreciate your time and great to catch up with you. And I will come and come and see you at, at some point in the near future. That's good. Thanks very much, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Roger. Appreciate it. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.